Welcome to Wednesdays Together. We're so glad you've joined us tonight for worship and for studying God's Word, and we pray that you will be blessed. Have you ever noticed how kids can lose track of time? until it's time that really matters to them, right? I know some of you parents are thinking, oh yeah, I can remember time whenever I tried to pull my kid away from from an, one activity and move to the next and it was just kind of a, a meltdown. And you know, as adults, if we're honest, we can do the same things. We can lose track of time and get caught up in things until it's time that really matters to us and then we know that we need to move on. And after Sunday's message, I was thinking about the value of each minute, and somehow I found myself transported back in my mind to my senior year of high school in my favorite teacher's class. He was actually everyone's favorite teacher because he was, ama- he was an amazing teacher, but he also knew how to have fun. And so, so anyway... There were these annoying kids in this class um, (laughs) who had their digital watches synchronized with the school bells. And now this will date me, okay? But just uh, just just give me a little bit of grace here, right? Uh, But but at that time, Doug E. Fresh, he was pretty popular back then. And if you don't know who Doug E. was, I'm sorry, you you really missed out. But also, what was popular was was a line from uh, his um, his famous song at that time, and so so that line was six minutes, Dougie Fresh, you're on. And so <laughs> these guys, every day they set their alarms for this class every single day, so that when there was six minutes left in the class, their alarms would go off. And you know, it seemed like it never failed that that at that six minute mark, Dr. Underwood would be like at the crescendo of his lesson. And then their and then their little watches would just beep and they'd shout out, six minutes. <laughs> and of course, I mean, you know, we all laughed because it, it, it was funny. Kids, I don't encourage the same behavior. And you know what? Sometimes Dr. Underwood would laugh too. Um, sometimes he'd get frustrated. Sometimes he'd get mad. Sometimes he'd even say, listen, you've been asleep all class, but you wake up every day for the six minutes call. And you know, in hindsight, <laughs> it all really makes perfect sense because all too often we don't value time until it's time that we value. I'll say that again. We don't value time until it's time that we value. On Sunday, we launched a new sermon series entitled The Church on Mission. And this series is designed to help us understand that we can use our time, our talent, and our treasure to mobilize God's mission here on earth. You see, the concept of stewardship is that we are managers of all that has been entrusted to us, not owners. We're not owners. We're managers of all that has been entrusted to us. We don't own anything, nor are we owed anything. Everything comes from God, and we should use all that we have like it's His, not our own. 
And so on Sunday, we heard about the importance of redeeming the time. And today, I'd like to share some thoughts that will help us be more intentional with our time by being more intentional with our thoughts. You know, as each year passes, it becomes more apparent that time slows down for no one, even a year like we've gone through now, 2020 and into 2021, where it kind of feels like it's dragging on, but it still is moving. It stops for no one. And we would do well to remind ourselves of that fact that for better or worse, time keeps marching on. You know that crummy situation that you're in right now? Time is eventually going to bring a change to it. The magic of holding that long-awaited, long-prayed-for, beautiful baby, that magic passes. That time, that magical time passes so quickly. And I'll tell you, you'll barely remember the sleepless nights because that time all vanishes so quickly. More than we could ever, more than we could ever imagine when we're in those moments that are that are pretty challenging late at night. And for me, when I when I think about my life and when I think about standing before God, I don't really fear as much him revealing the ugly sins I've committed. And it's not because I haven't committed any ugly sins I have. I know that they are covered by the blood of Jesus. So that's not what I fear. But if I'm honest with you, I do wonder what it will look like if my priorities were on display before God and anyone else watching. I wonder what it would feel like if how I spent my time and my talent and my treasure here on earth was on display. I wonder if the question was asked, into what did I invest? And for what things was I too busy? What thoughts consumed me? Was Jesus enough for me? These are the things that I wonder And to be quite frank, I worry a little bit about. You see, Satan has designed a hamster wheel for each one of us. It's got your name on it. It's got my name on it. And I'll tell you, your your hamster wheel does not look like mine. It's not the same thing. Um, But for each one of us, it's just as captivating. When I was preparing for this message, um, I was thinking a lot about just the frenetic pace of life. And then I got this image in my mind of a hamster running his little heart out on a hamster wheel, right? Um, And it looked like those little legs were just going to fly off. And in this image that came to my mind, the hamster wheel was placed directly in front of a clock. It was about the same size. And so as that hamster was running through through the wheel just as fast as the wheel was running, the hands on the clock were spinning fast. Maybe you've seen, um, maybe you've seen like cartoons or things like that, where where the clocks, the hands on the clock will do that. But that's what was happening. The hamster was running, time was running, and it was just this crazy, fast, frenetic pace of life. And it became a powerful check for me in my spirit, and made me mindful of what I wanted to say in this message today is that life is spinning 
by. And so the question that I want to ask is what is spinning my wheels? What are those things that I am running and running and running after and pursuing and pursuing and pursuing after as time is moving and moving and moving? And you know, it's because of this that Solomon declared in Proverbs 4.23, above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. I once read a story about a valet parking experience this lady had um, at a posh restaurant. She shared this. She shared her personal experience. And she said during dinner, she was there um, as a guest of someone who had invited her to be there. And so the host graciously offered to all the guests, hey, we're going to get your parking tickets validated. You don't have to worry about paying for that. We're going to validate that for you. And so this lady, she's like, great, this is awesome. I I don't have to, I don't have to pay for that. So she took the val, she took the ticket that they validated and she came back out whenever the night was over, went to the valet parking and exchanged her ticket there. And the gentleman at the counter there, he apologetically said to her, ma'am, I'm so sorry because Whoever validated your ticket, they didn't have the authority to do so. That's that's not our that's not our stamp. We can't accept that. So you still have to pay for parking. And you know, the moral of that little story was that from whom you receive your validation matters. It matters who validates us. It matters who validates us. And I'll tell you, there's always a price to pay if you're not, if you're not validated by the right person. You see, it's deceptively easy to seek validation from the people in my world. Now, I'm not even talking about people in the world, okay? I'm talking about the people in my own little bubble, okay? So it seems natural to get validation or to get feelings of usefulness or purposefulness from your spouse, from your boss, from your colleagues, from your friends, from your kids, from your family, all of that. Like, that's natural. These are the people that you're surrounded with day in and day out. And so it seems like, well, sure, they should be a pretty good gauge of how I feel and of of what kind of job I'm doing. Um, And they may be a good gauge of what kind of job you're doing, but they, they cannot be the source of your worth. You see, the tendency, this tendency to seek validation from others. It's encouraged by the world all around us. But we, again, we don't even have to look to the world. It's encouraged by our, mo- our emotions within us. The problem is this view is absolutely not biblical and it will lead to hurt, to pain, to disappointment. And I want you to know the source of your validation matters. Galatians 1 and 10 tells us, am I now trying to win the approval of human beings or of God? 
Or am I trying to please people? If I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. (laughs) That might be the testimony of somebody listening here tonight. If you're trying to please people, maybe your family, maybe your spouse, maybe someone in, in in your sphere of influence, maybe they're not even happy about you being a Christian, okay? So, You can love someone, someone could love you, someone could be a a good person, but your validation and your worth can never come from that person. You know, it doesn't take a psychology degree to understand that most people who have addictions, they're really just craving validation. It comes from this emotional need that was not satisfied. And I want you to know, unfortunately, our validation must come from God. Parents, spouses, kids, friends, careers. Can I tell you, they'll all disappoint you. Can I tell you that I will disappoint you? (laughs) Can I tell you that people will disappoint people? Why? Because we are all human. But God is the only one who completely without fail, will never hurt us. He made us in his image and he delights in us. He freely, fiercely loves us even when we are unlovable. And if that is not validation, I don't know what is. I don't know what is. And you know, I've heard it said before that we should love people, but love God more. We talk about that a lot here at the church that we talk about how we show our love for God is by loving others, right? And so we love people, but we love God more. What does that mean? Well, that simply means that I love people, but I understand that my worth and my value, it doesn't come from somebody else's opinion. It doesn't come if the person I love the most turns around and walks away, walks out on me. It doesn't come if I fail to meet your expectations. It comes from whose I am. It comes from whom I belong to. That's where my validation comes from. That's the source. You see, people can encourage, they can inspire, they can motivate you, but God must be at the center. God must be preeminent. He must be first and foremost. You know, there's nothing wrong with accomplishments. There's nothing wrong with advancements. And these things may satisfy you for a moment, but only God completes you. And that doesn't mean that God doesn't honor and bless those things. He absolutely can. But please, please, my dear friends, please don't get caught up in the trap of making these kinds of things, relationships and accomplishments and desires and pursuits and plans, please don't make them the source of your worth. You see, God alone has the authority to deem you worthy. God alone has the authority to deem me worthy. And if I have any worth or value in my life, it's only because I am his. It's not not because I bring anything good to the table. If there's anything good to the table that I bring, it's because he gave it to me to use as gifts and talents and abilities that that are on loan from him to bless his kingdom. Does anybody know that to be true? I'll tell you what, I for one am grateful for the grace and the mercy of God 
because I know that I don't deserve it. So any relationship, any dream, any passion we pursue should come from him and from him alone. Remember that hamster wheel that I mentioned? Many times we get there of our own doing, right? (laughs) Most times we get there of our own doing. We pursue things that we shouldn't. You know, my husband talked about the fact on Sunday that this, you know, the yoke of the Lord and the, the burdens that, that we should bear, but the burdens we were never intended to bear. And if we are stressed out all the time, we can be stressed out doing the will of God. I can testify to that, okay? You absolutely can. But the question is, how are we doing the will of God, okay? And if, and if God has called us to something, He will... He's not called us to this stress, this hamster wheel, this conveyor belt that we feel like we're stuck on that gives us anxiety and fear and all these sorts of things. He will give us the peace, not just the strength, but he will give us the peace if we give things over to him. So many times it's not the activity that we do. It's that ownership and that responsibility that we take. We don't give it over to God. And so that hamster wheel, we we do know that sometimes we pursue things that we shouldn't. Sometimes we pursue things at the wrong time. Sometimes we place things at the at the wrong rung on the priority list, right? Um, and so so we know that. But it, it, this doesn't just happen, okay? This sort of lifestyle, we don't just show up one day and start living that way. Priorities don't just happen. We develop them. And so my pattern of thinking today becomes my pursuits of validation tomorrow. That's right. My patterns of thinking today, what I dwell on, what I focus on, what I choose to set my mind and my affections on, those are the things that become my pursuits of validation tomorrow. And I I just don't have any better way to say it than we absolutely have to be intentional about our source of validation. So when something creeps into your mind that makes you think, oh, I, I could be a better person or I would feel better about myself if X, Y, Z, I want you to know something today, my friends. No relationship, no career, no amount of money, no recognition, those things don't validate us. We don't have time to allow those other things to cloud God's purpose for us. I'd like to share a powerful verse that can help us in all areas of life, and it can help us in this regard as well in terms of redeeming our time and redeeming our thoughts, and that is Philippians 4.8. I'm going to read to you from two different versions. I'm going to start with the NIV. It says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Now, I'd also like to read it to you from a paraphrase known as the message. It says, summing it all up, friends, I'd say you'll do best by filling your minds and meditating on things true, noble, reputable, authentic, compelling, gracious, the best, not the worst. The beautiful, not the ugly. 
things to praise, not things to curse. I love that. You see, the human mind will always set itself on something. We must focus on the right things. It is a law of life that if someone thinks of something long enough, he or she will come to the stage when he can't stop thinking about it. Folks, that's scientific research. Maybe, maybe, and, and today, you know, people will say, oh, I'm just obsessing about this. Okay, that's probably true because you're thinking about it, you're thinking about it, you're letting it loop a cycle in your brain. And actually, actually what you're doing, those thoughts will quite literally rewire your mind. The more we think about something, the more we focus on it, it will rewire your mind and they become sort of ingrained in your thinking and what you're doing. Dr. Walter Cavert did a study several years back about the things people worry about. And so from that study, he discovered this. 40% of things that we worry about never happen. 30% of our worries concern the past, okay? So you you, you can't change that. It's already done, right? But you still worry about that. 12% are needless worries about our health. Another 10% (laughs) he deemed insignificant or petty. And he said only 8% of things we worry about are actually legitimate issues. Only 8%. So that means 92% of our worry is over things that either won't happen, that won't matter if they happen, or things that have already happened that we can't change. And you know, here's, here's the truth of all of this. We will never be able to redeem the time if we don't win the war of our minds. Never. We'll never be able to redeem the time if we don't win the war of our minds. And I wonder, um, I wonder if you could just, just in this moment, honestly open your mind, open your heart, and just think about what are the things, what are these things in my mind that get the best of me? That tell me that I'm not who who God says I am, that tell me that I don't have, I don't, I, I, there's no reason that I should keep fighting, that I should keep going. Um, what are these things, what are these thoughts that play in my mind that directly fly in the face of Philippians 4, 8? I'd like to just read some to you. Maybe, maybe some of these will resonate, um, maybe some of these will resonate with you and you'll know that you need to cast them down, okay? Maybe you've thought this, I can't do this. This will never work. It's just not worth it because nobody appreciates what I do. Well, I'm not a good husband or wife. I'm not a good father or mother. I'm not a good son or daughter. <laughs> I'm not a good friend. I'm not a good employee. You, you can go on and on. You can fill in the blank. Maybe you've thought, I'm afraid. What if I fail again? You know, this person, this person probably thinks they're better than me. Maybe you've thought it's too late for me to change. Maybe you've thought, I'm not smart enough. I have nothing to offer. Or I can't get beyond my past, what they did, or what, what I used to be. Maybe, 
maybe in your deepest of hurts, you've wondered, I don't don't even know if God still cares. And then maybe you have some things that I didn't list, okay? Maybe you've got something that you could just fill in the blank right now. What if, whatever, these negative thoughts that play. And when we entertain these negative thoughts, we blatantly disobey the command of Philippians 4.8. And what is the end result of disobeying this scripture? It is an insecure person with a critical spirit. You know, we've all met that person, the person who feels the need to tear other people down. Um, maybe you didn't realize, maybe you thought that they thought they were better than you or, you know, wh- whatever whatever the, the reason may be. But usually when someone is like that, they don't feel good about who they are. So they don't want you to feel good about who you are. You know, maybe at different times in your life, maybe you've been that person. Maybe we've all been that person. Maybe right now you're struggling with a critical spirit because of your insecurities. But friends, we cannot stay in that bitter place. We must fight back and we have tools to do that with. 2 Corinthians 10 and 5 says, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. You know, an old proverb described this internal struggle. I'm sure you've heard it before, but I'll I'll never forget it. And I think back to it a lot in my life. And it describes a war between two dogs fighting. This inner, that's, that's the analogy that's used for the inner struggle um, within us for good and evil to focus on, on the good or, or the bad. And so someone asked this teacher who was, who was sharing this, well, which dog wins? How do you know which dog wins? And the answer was the one I feed the most. Folks, it's always the one we feed the most. We are commanded to cast down or as that version said, to demolish every imagination, every thought, everything that goes against the promises and the validation of God and to pull down strongholds in our minds. I wish somebody would receive this today. I wish somebody would believe this today. So what I'm gonna ask you right now is what are you allowing to loop in your mind? What thoughts are you entertaining? What are you allowing to take up the most valuable real estate that you own? What are you allowing to take up space in that space right here between your ears? We know that wrongful thinking leads to wrong feeling, okay? When, When my thoughts are wrong, when I think about the wrong things, when I focus on the wrong things, then that's going to lead me to wrong feeling. And before long, what happens is the heart and the mind, they're pulled apart and we're strangled by worry. We lose our anchor because feelings come and go. But when we dwell on something and we allow our mind to be shaped, we lose our our anchor and we're strangled by worry. So we've got to realize that our thoughts are real and they're powerful. And though they cannot be seen or weighed or measured, they're the most powerful thing that you will engage in in this life. Maybe you've heard this anonymous quote before, sow a thought and reap an action. Sow an action and reap a habit. Sow a habit and 
reap a character, so a character reap a destiny. You see, my delight, it must be in the Word of God, and I must dwell on this day and night. If the battle is lost, it's lost because I did not meditate on these things that Scripture calls me to focus on. If I dwell on the negative and I dwell on defeat, those thoughts will eventually become my destiny. Those thoughts will eventually become my destiny. And when fighting negative thoughts, here's an interesting strategy that I discovered. It's not, it's not original with me. Um, <laughs> um, but the question that I would have you ask yourself, if you're really struggling with negative thoughts, I'd ask yourself, would you talk like that to a five-year-old? I mean, that's a pretty good test. If you are saying things to yourself about yourself, if you think it would be destructive to a five-year-old to say that to, right? You know, then it's going to be bad for for your soul as well. And I wonder, what would it take? What would it take for us to break the cycle of negativity, of self-loathing, I wonder what it would take for us to break the cycle of people pleasing and being paralyzed, not being able to redeem the time because we don't see ourselves as stewards of God's time. We see ourselves as trying to impress everybody else, trying to get validation from everybody else and using all of our time up for the wrong things. I wonder... I wonder what our lives would be like if we focused on who God says we are. If I focused on who God says I am, I wonder how different my time would be spent. Today, I'm calling us to raise our sights to the only one who can give us hope, to the only one who can give us the love, to the only one who can give us the validation we so desperately desire. We're going to pray here in just a moment and we're going to repent